Here's Pastor Ed Taylor with a word for those who've fallen. For those of you that have fallen, it's time to get up and serve the Lord. He wants to reconcile you. He wants to wash you clean. He wants you to come back and get back in the saddle and serve the Lord with joy and gladness. It's time to get up. No more pity parties. No more beating yourself up. No more, man, I blew it. I know. And I know it hurts. And I know you might have self-pity. And I know it just seems like a big waste. But we serve a God of second chances. This is amazing grace. Our God is a God of second chances and new beginnings. And aren't you glad for that? Hello, and thanks for joining us today on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. We're digging deep into Romans chapter 11, and in today's message, we learn that God keeps His Word. Even if we fail, He won't. We need only believe His promise and receive His grace to begin again. Let's hear all about that now as we join Pastor Ed in Romans 11, verse 29. For the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. What a promise to hold on to. You may just want to hold on to that promise. The gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. For those of you that are taking notes, even in your Bible, you can circle that word irrevocable and you can write next to it, can never be withdrawn. That's what the New Living Translation says. The gifts and the calling of God will never be withdrawn from your life. Or in the old King James, it says, without repentance, that the giftings and the calling of God in your life are yours, not to be taken away. Even, well, let's get the context here. You know, a lot of times we will use this verse for ourselves and apply it to ourselves, like I just did right now, that our gifts and our calling are irrevocable. You know, that's a great application of this verse, but it's not the interpretation. The context of this verse is directly related to the nation of Israel and God's faithfulness to them. The gifts. Flip back to Romans chapter 9. Remember what Israel had been given according to Paul. Just a few pages back. It's actually referring to the nation of Israel in context. That the gifts given to Israel. We'll pick up in verse 4, Romans chapter 9. Who are Israelites, to whom pertain the adoption and the glory and the covenants and the giving of the law and the service of God and the promises of whom, verse 5, are the fathers and from whom, according to the flesh, Christ came, who is over all the eternally blessed God. Amen. And there's much more, the blessing that God had given. Remember, we went through this together and we said, what are we doing with the privileges that God has given us? Because Israel just threw them away as Jesus came on the scene and they rejected him. All the promises that Israel received will not be revoked, will not be withdrawn. They are without repentance. God is going to fulfill his promises to the nation of Israel. But you know, this verse, by way of application, is just as powerful for you and me. God's heart's still the same. The gifts and the calling of God in your life are irrevocable. You know, in just a few weeks, we're going to be studying through Romans chapter 12, 
looking at and turning a corner of now presenting ourselves to God, discerning and discovering God's will. And then we'll get into the spiritual gifts because I believe you need to know what your spiritual gift is and how to operate and how to serve the Lord in it. The calling of God on your life. The calling of God isn't just a pulpit calling. It's a calling for all sorts of things, all sorts of ministries, all sorts of giftings. God has spread you and me out throughout the world, throughout the society. Some of you are ministering to a group of people that are very, very wealthy on the wealthy side of things. You know, God loves them and wants to see them saved. And then God has some of you serving well to those that have great, great poverty. You know, God loves them and wants to see them saved. And then everything in between, God is working through our lives where you have access to people that I may never gain access. They may never darken the door of a church or tune into a radio broadcast or flip a CD, but they listen to you, don't they? They talk to you about their life. They talk to you about what's going on. And there you are with the answers to life's questions in their heart. You see, Romans chapter 11 here, verse 29, we see a God that refuses to let man's failure change his determination to bless and to love. We see a God who, even though he deals often with man's failure, he refuses to toss men and women aside because of failure. Well, does that mean that you'll never face consequences? No, not at all. I mean... Some of the consequences for our failures are with us, I mean, for a long period of time. It's really tough. It's really hard. I realize that. Yet, but you're not tossed aside. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 24, though if a righteous man falls seven times, he'll what? What will he do? Rise again. Right? Do you guys not know that? Flip over to Proverbs chapter 24. Let's read it together. I just want you guys to see the address of this. That though a man falls seven times, he'll rise again. I want you, I, I desire for you to burn this in your heart that God, if you have fallen, wants you to rise again. He wants you up and serving with your gifts and your calling that are irrevocable, without repentance. So we're just going to read the first part of Proverbs chapter 24, verse 16. We're going to read it together. Are you guys ready? Okay, one person's ready. Anyone else? All right, all right. First service, you guys do that to me all the time. <laughs> Verse 16, Proverbs 24. For a may fall seven times and rise again. For those of you that have fallen, it's time to get up and serve the Lord. He wants to reconcile you. He wants to wash you clean. He wants you to come back and get back in the saddle and serve the Lord with joy and gladness. It's time to get up. No more pity parties. No more beating yourself up. No more, man, I blew it. I know. And I know it hurts. And I know you might have self-pity on yourself. And I know it just seems like a big waste. But we serve a God of second chances. I don't know if you'll ever return to exactly what you were doing when you fell. I don't know. But it would be real cool if you did, wouldn't it? It would be real neat if God arranged it in such a way where, where you were able to get right back in. Oh, I know it doesn't erase the failure. It doesn't erase the mistake. But you know, God is a God of grace, a God of mercy. And you know, we're reminded when we think of the gifts and the calling of God, we're reminded that God uses us as we are. You don't have to become someone to be used of God. You don't have to find yourself, well, I got to be this before God can use me. 
or I want to be like them. You know, this is a sad state of affairs for us as a church, not just Calvary Aurora, but the church at large in the day and age that we live in. We live in a day and age like none other before. And there is a category now of Christian that wasn't here a few years ago, and that is the category of Christian celebrity. If you're not careful, you'll start to worship man and not God. And the Christian celebrities, as they write their books and as they go on the interview shows and they become very, very popular, and even God may use them, listen, church, never elevate a man or a woman above God. I mean, it begins right here in the fellowship. Speaking of me and the leadership here, I mean, if there was anyone ever that did not deserve to be behind a pulpit sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ, it's me. There are hundreds and thousands of people that had a life far different from mine that would be more equipped and more well-suited to do what I'm doing right now than me. But at the same time, I have chosen to obey God. This is his calling in my life. I can say 20 years ago, this was not on my mind. <laughs> Thinking about what I'm going to do with my life. Oh, I think I'll preach the gospel and I'll move to another state. And I think that's why I'll raise my kids in the ways of the Lord. <laughs> no, 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 no. No, that wasn't my line. But it was in the heart of God. And sometimes you might think, well, you know, Pastor Ed, when I, when I get to be, you know, like you, maybe I'll step up. You don't want to be like me, number one, a normal human being. You want to be like the Lord, walking in his spirit, exercising your gifts. Don't ever think just here in the pulpit that, oh, that's the most important part of the church. No, you know, there are precious men and women downstairs right now teaching the kids the gospel, talking to them on their level, getting down, looking at them in their eyes, eye to eye, teaching them about the love of Jesus Christ. Some of your kids are getting saved, and they're very, very important to the work of this ministry. Those that are gifted in song and guitars and all that kind of stuff and voice as, as they give unto the Lord by leading us in worship, so precious. The sound people, both some are outside and some are in that room back there that serve tirelessly or wanting cable through this place to get this speaker here or get that over there. People walking through straightening chairs or ministering in the parking lot or serving down in the cafe or taking a track and hanging. I mean, when we think of ministry, don't think of positions and titles. Just think of yourself as a person with a calling of God on your life. And I want you to be obedient in the calling of God in your life. There's not one higher or better. I know that in the context of the ministry here, you see me a lot and you hear me a lot because I have been given this calling that requires a big mouth. So I think God is looking around, where's the guy with a big mouth? Right there. He's got a big mouth for the world. I give him a big mouth for me. But some of you don't like to speak in public, right? So it just being called to the ministry of the pulpit just scares you. Well, God's not going to jack you up that way and call you to something that he's not going to encourage you in. Maybe you're that silent type prayer warrior and your prayer life is unbelievable. And nobody but you and the Father actually knows. And you're just as faithful in that calling as I would be to show up and study and pray and teach you the word. The gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. And God will use you as you are. Even after a huge failure, God loves to restore. He loves to bring and clean up and dust off. And some think, well, I could never be used of God because I'm just not perfect. I could never be used of God because I'm not like her. I'm this or I'm that or I'm... 
and just banish that thought in your heart. You can serve the Lord in the strength of the Lord, in the will of the Lord. There is this mindset that we have to be perfect in order to serve God. Guys, think about that. If perfection was required to serve God, the gospel of Jesus Christ would have never left Jerusalem 2,000 years ago. Remember the disciples? Just human, human, human to the very end, human. And any good that they ever did was because of God's spirit in their life, just like it is in our lives. Any good that we ever do, listen, give God all the glory for great things he has done. It's not us. It's his work in our lives. It's his faithfulness in our lives. It's his spirit energizing us. It's been said, and I agree, that God, as he looks and he surveys his church, he's not looking for ability as much as he's looking for availability. Are you ready and willing to step out in faith to present yourself to the Lord? If you're willing, God will use you. And God will shape you and God will mold you and God will change you. He's going to shoot an arrow right at your heart and begin to change you from the inside out. Begin to equip you. That opens a huge door for you and me. God, as he qualifies you, as he trains you for ministry. As the Bible speaks of training our hands for war, God will train us. He's a good discipler. So just remember that. Whether you're on the back end of a mistake or a failure or a sin, God, his heart is to restore and reconcile. And knowing that God has gifted you, God has poured out his spirit upon you. Now, your gifting may just be in the world. You're an excellent businessman or businesswoman. That's your gift, so go for it in the name of Jesus. You're a law enforcement officer. You work in a prison. That's your gifting. You're able to do it. You have the temperament. Just go for it, man, in the name of Jesus. You're good with computers. Just do it. You cook, you clean, you serve, you answer phones. Give yourself wholly to the Lord. You stay home with the kiddos, whatever it might be. Okay? Amen? All right, I just want to get that before we wind down. Verse 30 now, Romans chapter 11. It says, For you as once were disobedient to God... He uses us now as an example. He says, For as you were once disobedient to God, yet now have obtained mercy through their disobedience, even so these also have been disobedient, that through the mercy shown you, they also may obtain mercy. For God has committed them all to disobedience, that he have, might have mercy on all. Very simply, Paul's saying, look, God is using your salvation to provoke the Jew. He showed mercy on you. He's going to show mercy on them. Great encouragement. Then he ends, verse 33, Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. For who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has become his counselor? Pause there just for a second. I know some that have tried to counsel God. You and me. Like, God, I know how it's supposed to be done. I want you to take care of it this way. You know how sometimes your prayer life becomes like a counseling session for God. It's like, God, I'm going to... You know, if you hook this up and you do this, it would be really good. It's, it's got to be your will, Lord. Well, he's not saying for us to counsel. He's asking a rhetorical question. None of us can counsel God. His riches, his depth of his knowledge and judgments are so deep. Verse 35, or who has first given to him and it shall be repaid to him. For of him and through him and to him are all things to whom be glory forever. Amen. Amen. That's how he ends it. His deep, rich Bible study ends in what is called a doxology. 
And I believe our theology should always end in a doxology. A worship of God, that's what doxology means. Just a written verse of praise and worship to God. True Bible study will always lead to a deeper worship of God. I believe good theology always leads to good worship. That in our lives, God, he is desiring to have mercy on all. Did you notice that? If you just go back, look at verse 30. He says, as you were disobedient to God, yet now have obtained mercy. Verse 31, notice, even so, these also have been disobedient, that through the mercy shown on you, they may also obtain mercy. Verse 32, for God has committed them all to disobedience, that he might have mercy on all. Mercy is well, it's not receiving what you deserve. It is what every person before a judge cries out for. Please, show me mercy. I'm guilty. I know I'm guilty, but I don't want the penalty. Please show me some mercy. It's just like those wrestling times you had with your siblings, you may remember and recall, where they're always bigger than you and just pounded you into the pavement. And one of the things that they always use is they pounded you into the pavement and they took your arm and twisted it behind. You didn't know your hand could reach your neck, did you? But they did. And they got you down and said, I'm not going to let you go until you cry mercy. And that's what you did, right? You weren't down there going, oh, give me judgment, go ahead. No, it's like, mercy, let me go. Remember grace now, combined with mercy, grace is receiving what you don't deserve. Like salvation is a gift of grace. We don't deserve salvation but we receive it even though we don't deserve it. It's very much like giving of gifts, you know, when birthdays come along or Christmas comes along. None of deserves gifts, but we do so out of the love of our hearts. We just want to bless you. That's it. That's all there is to it. And so you've got grace receiving something that you don't deserve. You have mercy not receiving what you deserve. And then there's one other word to fit in that group, and that's judgment. And judgment's real simple. You get what you deserve. And God is both a God of judgment and of mercy. And the judgment on our sins was poured out on his son, Jesus Christ. He took the full weight and penalty of your sin and mine. And there could be some of you here today that say, I've never received the forgiveness of my sins. And today would be the day that God invites you to himself. In just a few moments, you're going to have an opportunity to turn from your sin and turn to Jesus Christ because he took the judgment of your sins upon himself so that by your belief in him, his life, his death, and his resurrection, there's a spiritual transaction that takes place whereby your sins are removed and God's righteousness, his goodness, is placed in your life. And the Bible says that unless you're born again, you will not see the kingdom of God. It is not gained by good works. Salvation is not gained by church attendance or by doing good deeds. Salvation is only available through his son, Jesus Christ. He wants to show mercy on you today. And Paul, as he studies and he teaches us on the depths of some of the most heaviest, deepest theological truths in all the Bible, and we've studied them one by one over the last few weeks, over the last few years that we've been in Romans. We've studied things on, on sin and grace and faith and salvation and justification and sanctification. God has taught us through Paul God's foreknowledge, his election, his predestination, the glorification of the saints. And when he winds down this chapter, thinking of God's tremendous faithfulness, Paul begins to worship. It's just incredible, our God. And let me tell you, friend, like Paul, our theology should always turn into a doxology. It should never make us high-minded. 
I'm sure you've met a few people along the way that want to dazzle you with their Bible knowledge, but they're the most loveless people you've ever met. All they want to do is argue with you, make you feel stupid, like you don't know anything. I mean, you only know a couple verses and a couple songs, but man, they're able to drop 5,000 verses on you. You don't even know what's in the Bible. Is there a book like that in the Bible? I haven't learned that yet. Something's been disconnected in folks like that. I hope you're not like that. I hope you're not like a, just always want to argue with people and beat people up with your Bible knowledge. I mean, you can't wait for the Bible trivia game because you're going to take them down, man. <laughs> Doesn't really help people come into the kingdom of God, does it? Jesus said when people come in that aren't a part of any fellowship, that they're supposed to know that we're his disciples by our vast Bible knowledge, right? Boy, they can quote some scriptures there, man. Man, look at that guy's Bible. He needs a wheelbarrow to carry it. That's a big one, man. It's a very dangerous thing for us because we study through the Word consistently, regularly, all the time. We place such a great emphasis, so we always have to be reminded what Jesus said, that they will know you are my disciples by your love for one another. And so I encourage you, study the Bible and spend time in the Word, but know that as you study and as you receive, it's going to envelop your heart. It's going to expand your heart in love, not just in knowledge. We're in the middle of a study of Romans on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. If you enjoyed the message, hear it again online at AboundingGraceRadio.com or listen through our app. You can search for that in the App Store or Google Play. Just look for Calvary Aurora. Pastor Ed, you mentioned in today's teaching that theology should always end in doxology. That is praise to God. Can you think of some practical ways that our listeners can express worship and praise? I can, Larry. You know, the first one that comes to mind immediately, of course, we associate worship with music and with song. And so one of the ways that you can really benefit in new, fresh ways in your devotional life is by having your phone or your tablet or however you get your music and have worship music queued up so that in your regular reading, you can end with a song. I actually have a playlist that's set up. I add songs that Pastor Ian, our worship pastor, leads us, and, and other, other, other worship leaders and pastors that lead us in worship. And when, I, when that song is introduced, I find it on my Apple Music, and I add it to my pr- playlist so that I can actually even um, mimic, in some ways, the worship service that we enjoy at church. And then, of course, our own church put out a worship CD for the very first time, uh, a lot of songs that are original to our church, and, and I have that loaded up as well. So that's very encouraging. Secondly, I think one way to end our theology, of course, what I meant by that statement is, is that a right understanding of God will lead to worship. So when you understand God's goodness and God's righteousness and God's love, when you understand that everything he does is good, right, and just, when you express and understand his sovereignty and his, his absolute control, then it's going to lead to you to thanksgiving, to appreciation, to submission, to surrender, to obedience, to giving of tithes and offerings, to generosity. You think of all the beautiful things that grow out of an abiding relationship with Jesus as all worship. And so a right understanding of God is going to lead a person closer to God, not away. 
A right understanding of God and his character and nature is going to lead to a greater dependence. It's going to lead to a greater obedience. It's going to lead to a greater submission. And so to know who God is through his word, when we have the right understanding, it's going to lead to the right action. And the right action will always be done in worship because it's a response. Isn't that great? It's a response to who he is and what he's done for us. So good. Thanks again, Pastor Ed. At Abounding Grace, we're committed to bringing the truths of God's Word to the radio every day. But we can't do it alone. We look to our listeners to help us provide these daily studies. And today, when you give a donation of $25 or more, we'll send you A Tale of Three Kings by Gene Edwards. We've all been hurt by the words or actions of another, but when it comes from another Christian, that can be really hard to handle. A Tale of Three Kings will lead you to God's hope and healing for times like these. You'll be comforted as you read A Tale of Three Kings, too. So order a copy right now by calling us at 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-30-GRACE. Then join us next time when we'll pick up where we left off in Romans right here on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado. 